the Boston players love But Michael Jordan is not only the best basketball player, but he's the most exciting basketball player to ever play. Tatum fires away, pumps it in. The Big Three NBA Podcast is powered by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Big Three NBA Podcast. I'm Kwani Lunas, Ashrod Blakely, Gary Washburn. I get to spend the most important day of the year to me. The day after Valentine's Day, that's when you get candy cheap. Cheap candy. <laughs> Not the day after Valentine's Day. That, that's your focus. <laughs> This is also a side chick day? No. Actually, it's my birthday, so... (laughs) (laughs) I don't like that my birthday falls on side chick day. I do want to say that, because it's just not a good look. I wasn't going to say nothing about that particular (laughs) aspect of your birthday, Kwani. Does Kwani know that this is like SE day? It's not not great. I was thinking about that last week. Uh, It's not a a good look for us, so... (laughs) Unfortunately, that's the only flaw with my birthday, but... It is a great day. I appreciate that I can spend it with the two of you on our pod. I appreciate it, Kwani. <laughs> Gary, again, unimpressed, but it's okay. No, uh, happy birthday, Kwani. <laughs> Honestly, in all, you know, in all sincerity, it's a great day. Aw. It's a high day. It's been all right. <laughs> I got to get that clip of Gary saying something nice to, to us. Well, to me, really, not you. Yeah, you, you, yeah. You always got crap to talk I think, about. I think, I think honestly, um, Kwani, I, I think yeah, Michael B. Jordan just have a birthday too. <laughs> I think I saw that. He's like I'm literally looking it up. At, look, let's see. Let's see. He's like oh. 37. Yikes. You're right. The yeah. first article I see also says Michael B. Jordan wakes up at 5.30 a.m. and doesn't drink coffee. We're the same. Oh my gosh. She's, you should meet him one. You should try to meet him one day. We've been there, done that. Didn't work. He got the Heisman. He got the corny Heisman that day. I'm just saying, you should try to meet him one day. I feel like in 30 years, this story is going to have evolved to a point where the urban legend is that he proposed, and I said no, because every time we have this conversation, yeah. that's how I remember it. Not accurate. I did not curb. Michael B. Jordan, for all those who are listening, it's not true. Yeah, I those she, claims. she totally did. She totally I did not. She, she did. That, that man was, was like, really? One really? day we'll have him on the podcast to see if, if he even remembers who I am. He definitely won't remember me. So I'm pretty sure he he might he's gonna remember you because I'm pretty sure that that exchange has not happened to him very often in his life. No. All right, we'll see. Michael B. Jordan, one day we need you on this podcast to clear up all the allegations because I Watch. do not... He go, he's going to be on a plane flying to Boston and he's going to see the hub today and he will be like, wait a minute. That's that Is shit. That- That's that her. That's her. <laughs> There's, there she is. Well, look, hopefully we're still on good terms. He's not mad about that. If he really does think I curve. Goodness. Again, I did yeah. not do that. But anyway, moving on, I know this is not what you guys wanted to listen to, our viewers and listeners, (laughs) but here we are. You're stuck with us. We're going to talk about crazy stuff every once in a while. Let's talk about the Celtics. They shredded the Nets. It was honestly a very embarrassing game to the point where I felt bad watching it. I think they should have just stopped the game at that point. But the Celtics are officially at the NBA All-Star break. They have the best record right now. 
Jason Tatum on and off the court doing so many things. Those are the big three things that we're going to talk about. And then the fourth one also big three, but four also we're going to talk about Missoula in this episode, but let's start with the Nets embarrassing themselves really. But I mean, do we even want to talk about this game? Because it just, what did you guys take away from? Is there anything we can take away from this? The Celtics didn't have a let up. I mean, I, I, to me, that's the big takeaway that they could have easily, you know, had the bags packed at the locker, you know, at the lockers before the game, thinking about what they're going to do afterwards. But rather than succumb to what I think a lot of teams, really good teams do this time of year, which is just to let their guard down. They just went out there and, and just delivered a smackdown of smackdowns. I think they're one of only like, what, five teams in NBA history that have had multiple fifth wins by 50 or more points in the same season. Uh, they... they the Celtics are, I mean, it, it kind of goes without saying, but they're pretty damn good when they want to be. Uh, and we're seeing now, more nice than not, they don't just want to beat you. They trying to crush you. They try to stash your soul and, and leave you just, just leave you wondering, damn, I'm an NBA player, but. Am I? They, they those are NBA players in Boston. Um, and, and the thing, the thing I liked about it is it gave a lot of guys who normally don't play much a chance. I mean, one of the first, and Gary, one of the, you remember one of the first subs they made was Jordan Walsh. I don't know if Jordan, I mean, you got to go back to when he was in college the last time he saw action that early, uh, and, and give him credit. He, he did, you know, he, he did some good things defensively. I thought picked up a, a couple of rookie files, that type of stuff. But bottom line is they had so many different guys that stepped up, stepped in and, and just absolutely smashed the nets, uh, all game long. Yeah, I think what you can take away is the focus because if you look at the first game, they dominated and then the, the, the Nets made a run and they were able to hold on for an eight-point win, um, although they were up 23 in the third quarter. But they took care of business on the road. And the Nets, you know, they got talent. They're, they're not a they're, – they're a team that's obviously preparing for the future. But, you know, they got Mikael Bridges, Dennis Schroeder. Um, the high scoring Cam Thomas, they had Cam Johnson in the second game, uh, Dorian Finney Smith. Uh, you know, they have capable NBA players, so that team, if you let them, can beat you. So, I thought the trick game, the trap game, was the Tuesday game at Brooklyn. They came and they dominated Jason Tatum at 31 in the first half and ended up with 41. Um, and they were able to hold on. And I thought, okay, now with Cam Johnson back for that back to back, and I think maybe the, the Nets preparing a little bit and the Celtics maybe having that kind of like, hey, we're one game from the end of the first half and we'll be, I thought it was going to be a much tougher game. But it just wasn't 30 to 15 after the first quarter, then a 22 to nothing run. I think they put them up, I want to say, like uh, 52 to 17. And it was like, okay, wow. And they kind of, the, the the last two and a half quarters was garbage time pretty much, right? So um, the Celtics focused. They played well. They they got contributions, you know, Peyton Pritchard. Tatum didn't have to play a, a bunch of minutes. And he didn't play the fourth quarter. Porzingis didn't play the second half to rest his ankle. So I think an all-around successful end. And I'm not saying that if they would have lost the game, the season would have oh, gloom and doom. But it's just always good. And although 
was really trying to downplay it. It's always good to go on the break and feel like, hey, we're we're playing good ball. Six yeah. in a row um, since that loss to the Lakers. You know, they've 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 responded. Um, and you know, they had a couple of clunkers in their homestand, the Lakers game and the Clippers game. But I think they've been able to respond to that. And, and then now they can enjoy their weekends and Jason and Jalen can enjoy the All-Star weekend and Joe can take his sabbatical and 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 look at game tape and figure out what they can do. But it's a, it's a good chance for them to take a deep breath, get some rest, and then be back next Thursday. And I think that that's a good thing when you're winning, when you're coming off a win, especially a dominant win. So to your point, both of your points, they do have the best record right now. I do agree with the fact that, you know, heading into a little mini like sabbatical break is a good way to keep them, you know, the spirits alive. But how do you think when they come back from this break, how do they keep that momentum alive? Gee, Gary. Well, I think they need to just continue to do what they do. And also the stretch is coming and they got to start taking, taking every opponent seriously and, you know, they got the Chicago Bulls and the Bulls have given them trouble. Now, the Bulls weren't <laughs> didn't give them much trouble uh, earlier in the season, but the Bulls are a capable ball club. They're playing a lot better than they did a couple of months ago. And you just got to start punching fools in the mouth, punching first, making a statement. They got the Knicks after that on the road. So this is not an easy stretch. Then they got the Sixers, then the Mavericks, then the Warriors, then Cleveland, then Denver, Phoenix, Portland. Uh, I mean, so... I'm, you know, obviously take away Portland, but those first eight games are difficult. No gimmies, even, you know, even the Warriors coming in. You don't know what Steph's going to do and Draymond and Clay, they can get back to their old form for that one day. So you got a challenging schedule um, and they're going to need what you want to do is the work you put in now. You're, you're six games up on the Cleveland Cavaliers with 27 to play. You want to make it easy on yourself. You don't want any intrigue in those final two weeks. I think their goal, they should want to go to get to 60 wins. I think that would be a good accomplishment for this team. I think they haven't won 60 in probably since the 08 team. Um, I, you know, I, I don't know if they won 60 in 09, um, but the 08 team, I think, is the last time they won 60. So 60 wins. But you also want to be able to get guys some rest in the last two weeks where every game is a front, you know, oh, my God. And, and, you know, you want to get Porzingis off his feet. You want to get Tatum a breather. You want to get Brown a breather. You want to let those guys like the Jordan Walshes and the Pritchards and even the new guys, the Springers and the uh, Tillmans get some real burn and real run. So that's what you're working at now. So I think just come back with a focus because that schedule Everybody says, oh, the schedule's getting softer. Like, maybe the Brooklyn games, but Chicago is not something to sleep, uh, you know, over and not something that you should look over. And then the Knicks on Saturday night, ABC game. And then, you know, I mean, I'm looking. Then the Sixers. I don't think MB will be back by then, but they're still a challenge. And then the Mavericks with Luka, then Golden State, then a road trip, uh, then a six-game road trip or five-game road trip. So, it's going to get difficult. And what you want to do as a Celtics is just put a lot of those wins away and then make the last two weeks easier for yourself. And I think and prepare for the postseason. 
you have a chance to get the number one seed, something they've had over the couple of a few years, but most of the time they've been the number two seed. Um, but you want to be that number one seed, every home court advantage, the easiest, the yeah, the easiest playoff uh road, make it easy on yourself, you know, and, and then go from there. Last year they were number two seed. This year you want to be the number one seed, you know, get that seed and then let you know, then be ready for the playoffs. So very important stretch from the February 24th, Chicago for the next couple of weeks. Get buckets with your first bet on FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because right now new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. That's right. That's $150 if your bet wins. You can bet on all your favorite NBA players and teams with quick bets, live same game parlays, exclusive props, and more. Just visit FanDuel slash Boston and shoot your shot. FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NBA. Massachusetts 21 and over and present in Massachusetts. Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com, gamblinghelplinema.org, or call 1-800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. Yeah, the next couple of weeks, Gary, you're, you're spot on that. It, it's going to be challenging. But when you look at that, that backstretch of the schedule, my goodness. I mean, get Jason Tatum a napkin because he might be drooling at, at the, the weak competition that they're going to be able to devour. You got the Hawks a couple of times. You got the Hornets a couple of times. You've got, you know, Utah plays them scrappy, but Utah, they're not they're not a very talented team. Uh, there's a lot. Wizards, I think they play them twice. They've got a lot of just games that they're going to have to take the mindset they had, you know, in this last game against Brooklyn at the very end of the season. You're playing bad teams. That doesn't mean you got to play bad because they're bad. That's they're going to have to keep that edge about them. And then that's the one thing that, again, I think the way the schedule is playing out that really I don't think is going to be a problem because they're going to have to hit the ground running because of the talented teams that they got right at the bat. And if they're able to hold their own and win most of those, then you get to the point where. 60 wins seems like pretty much a given. Uh, I mean, if you can go 500 the next couple of weeks or better than 500, which is very reasonable, that that end of the season run when you're resting guys, even when you're keeping guys like Tatum, keeping their minutes down or not playing them at all, you're playing a lot of teams that you could beat without them. And, and that, if you're Joe Missoula, the best part about that, not only are you giving yourself a chance to obviously win and rest your guys, but you're also strengthening that second unit so that in case you need to go, with a Peyton Pritchard on a night where maybe Drew Holiday gets into foul trouble and, and you got to play Peyton maybe 25, 30 minutes. He's going to have some experience and some comfort level playing those kind of minutes with that first group or a hybrid version of that first group. Same thing with Sam Hauser. Uh, same thing with, with Luke Cornett. Uh, you want to make sure that those guys, these this last 27 games, those guys are the ones that you really need to get some run and some reps because you're good enough to where you your starters should be able to build enough of a cushion so that you can go with those guys. And for some nights you don't even need them to play and you still should be able to win. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see how Joe handles that because and, and Gary and Juan, you both know this, you got a lot of guys in the Celtics team that don't like to miss games. 
I mean, Tatum has made it absolutely crystal clear <laughs> that he ain't trying to miss that many games. And yet, you know that in a perfect world, in a realistic world, he should sit some of these games out. They don't, I mean, they don't need him to be Washington. Yeah. They don't need him to be Atlanta. Well, yeah. maybe Atlanta, they could be a little scrappy. Yeah. But the, the point is, your best players should be using this time as, and this is where load management should be something that's very real uh, mm-hmm. for the Celtics because they're as good as they are and as dominant as they've been this season. They're not going to win a championship unless they have that core group ready to roll come playoff time. And anything you can do to maximize the opportunities for them to be healthy as possible come playoff time, that's the strategy you need to roll with. I love that point that you make. I think obviously that blowout to the Nets was a perfect time for them to test their depth. Obviously not the greatest you know, gauge of how good they are considering the the Nets weren't that great either. But that being said, we talk about the best record in the NBA. One, do you think the depth of this team will correlate to my second question, whether or not the Celtics are the best team in the NBA? Other than their record, are they the best team? Yeah, they they check off all the boxes that you want to have as a championship team. They've got the kind of experience having gone through heartbreak uh, and not winning it. All And they've had the success that comes about when you exceed expectations and you go deeper than. So they know what it feels like from an emotional standpoint. You're not going to rattle them emotionally come playoff time because they've seen all the peaks and valleys that come with playoff basketball. You have addressed the two biggest flaws in your roster from a year ago. You needed another stretch big. And you needed another two-way player defensively in that backcourt. And you got one. You got the best on-ball defender in Drew Holiday. And you got Porzingis, who has shown time and time and time again, he is a mismatch waiting to happen. Uh, teams have been had trouble matching up with him when they go smaller guys on him. He eats them up. They go with size. He gives that little pump fake and little pull up J. He he did, he goes into his bag and he comes up with, with winning plays consistently. You've added those two elements to your team. Plus, you've got experience. And the thing about Jason Tatum. I think Tatum is finally not only embracing the concept that sometimes less is more in terms of points from him, but he's actually making the kind of plays that the really, really great players make. Uh, he, it, he he had 20 points the other night against Brooklyn. He could have easily had 30. Everybody on the damn team could have easily had 30. But Tatum made, <laughs> exactly. Tatum made so many just smart basketball plays and when you start looking at his numbers in in a grand scale you see the assist numbers not only are the assist numbers going up but just the hockey assist numbers are also going up uh he's he's just been he's been a more complete player and that is what i think the scary part for opponents is because if jason tatum is giving you buckets and he's finding guys who can also give you buckets you can't help off anyone now all of a sudden you are at the celtics mercy uh and and again i i like i said i, I think that they're built in a way that gives them the most optimal chance of winning an NBA title with this group. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, if you really, it all depends on how you judge it, but I do think they're the best team in the NBA at this point. I mean, I look at their record, their schedule. They've only lost one game in a row, more than one game in a row once. They lost two in a row once. They have not had any prolonged losing streaks this season, not four in a row. Every other team has gone through a, a bad stretch. The Celtics have lost, like, you know, they lost to the Clippers, they lost to the Nuggets. They're not playing their supreme premium best basketball right now. I think they're starting to approach that again 
And I think that's another good sign for them to kind of, you know, they lost to the Lakers. They've lost to some team, you know, they lost some games. They, they could have won, you know, or should have won. But I also think, I mean, this team always bounces back from a loss. They always seem to come back. Literally, they have not lost more than one in a row since November. They had that two-game losing streak where they lost to Philly and Minnesota, and that's it. Everything else is just a single loss. Um, their top two, top three in the league in defensive uh, rating and offensive rating. Um, you know, they're playing good ball, and their depth is is coming in. Peyton Pritchard has, has played a lot better than his obviously had a slow start. You know, Hauser, um, Luke Cornett giving them quality minutes. You know, you look at the bench, you look at the guys, you know, that can help out. And we haven't even seen Tillman yet or Springer. And I think that Tillman's going to give them some real quality minutes, especially to spell Porzingis. Al Horford's still playing well, and they're keeping him fresh by not playing him back-to-back. So everything is going the way it should go, right? You look at all the other teams in the in the East pretty much, the Bucks are kind of a mess. They got completely wasted by Miami the other night at home. Miami without Jimmy Butler, without Josh Richardson, and without Terry Rozier because two of those guys got hurt against the Celtics. Uh, Philadelphia just lost at home to Miami. Um, and I looked at – I couldn't even recognize some of the guys they had on the floor. Ricky Council the fourth and uh, Buddy Hill plays for them now. You're like, wait a minute. <laughs> like, who are these guys besides Maxie and Tobias Harris was out? Um, the Knicks, you know, after that controversial loss, I don't know if you all saw that call against the Houston Rockets in the Horrible last call. minute. Um, they, you know, they're struggling. They went and lost at Orlando, and they're, they don't have Julius Randle. Um, Cleveland, you know, is playing well. They're playing the best. Um, they held off Chicago, so that'll be a, a really key game when the Celtics go down to Cleveland in early March. But if you're the Celtics, everything is laying out the way you want. You're six games up of the second place team. I think they're 10 games up um, on Philadelphia. Like they are, I'll say boat racing, but they are making, give, making themselves nice and comfortable uh, to get that number one seed. And I just think the depth should help down the stretch. And it's still, they have another open roster spot. You don't know what they're going to do with that roster spot. They might uh, transfer Cadis contract to a standard NBA deal. We'll see if you, if, you know, I think they're going to take a long look at uh, Tillman to see if they really need Kate on the playoff roster. Um, you know, you don't know what what how it's all going to work out, but I do think that they have everything's worked very well for them, and the depth has has really helped. Where they don't need Jason Tatum to go forty points every night. They, you know, maybe that's why he's not in the MVP conversation because he's not averaging forty eight points a game because he doesn't need to. He had twenty points. Um, in the win over, and they, you know, they scored 130 some points, and, and he, he had 20. You know, Jalen Brown didn't play, so you know that's not going to get you MVP awards when you're not putting up the great numbers. But when you're on a great team, you don't even put up the great numbers because you don't need that to win. They don't need to jump on Tatum's back every night. So, kind of a catch 22 for Tatum's MVP hopes, yeah. but. I think he'd rather have a championship. So in a, in a I, I think, finals MVP won't Yeah, I think he's okay. And I, I'm, I saw an interview um, with Jamal Murray, who who uh, might be the best player ever, ne- never to make an All Star game. Well, he's on that list of top ten. You know, and, and our friend I talked to, told him last night, Cedric Maxwell on that list is the best players, and 
Max agreed with me when Murray said, well, you want a guy that's going to have a great first half? You want a guy that's going to step up and, and, and step it up in the playoffs? And that's what, that's what I'm about. I'm about the playoffs. And that's what Taylor needs to say. Hey, yeah. I, you can okay, Luca, take the MVP, and you'll be getting it when you're at home, and I'll be, you know, preparing for my next, you know, Eastern Conference Finals game, trying to you know get my team to the finals. So um, that's that's the way Jason has to look at it. I know he wants the MVP, but I think a championship will do just fine. I think he'll take that instead. I think so. So quickly, before we talk a little bit more about Jason Tatum, we'll play a game of fill in the lane. Your biggest concern after the all-star break is blank. Fill in the lane. Boredom. That that they that they just get bored of winning. winning. <laughs> they just they just take it for granted. I mean, you just think that because they're a really good team, uh teams are just gonna just show up and maybe put up a little bit of fight and, and they'll still find a way to, to persevere. Uh I worry about that because. They've been so good for so long that you, you're just almost like expecting a shoe to fall where they just don't have it. They just don't have it for a stretch for no apparent reason. Uh, and it, it's not so much the opponent it's more about them. Uh, they have been able to, to basically stay engaged, stay focused, stay playing with a hearty and consistent edge more nice than not. But I do worry about that downtime where you've got basically more than a week to just kind of kick back, relax, and, you know, drink my ties and, and and whatever the heck you do. You know, Derek White changing babies and, and you know, changing Maybe diapers and stuff. Right. Yeah, yeah. Changing babies? Changing diapers. <laughs> I misspoke. I corrected myself before you could speak, Gary. Northside, can, can, can relax, Changing babies Northside. and chasing diapers. <laughs> Well, don't leave me alone because it's your birthday. <laughs> Thank you. Damn. <laughs> anyway, anyway, I, I worry about guys just getting bored with the process of winning because they've done everything you're supposed to do up to this point. And coming off the break, you just don't know whether they're still going to have that 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 mindset to just pick up where they left off. I would be worried about that. And Sarai says this as he has a very sensitive and kind message. This looks like it's from his son in the background. Oh, yeah, something about Oh, that's it. very yeah, kind and, and touching. And uh, right behind uh, right behind his right shoulder, the son. Dear son. Right. Oh, dear son. Oh, Love dad? Oh, or, that's is, wait, or is it from your... Love dad? It looks like love dad. I think it's to yeah. his son. Yeah. It's to my son. Yeah. Aww. Aww. Did you He's not changing babies. He's keeping his. So his, his baby's a grown man now. <laughs> He's a six foot three inch grown right. ass man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Isaiah. No, no, Isaiah. Bro, Isaiah you'll you'll see him uh, this week. He's going to be in Indianapolis. Oh, good. School. What up, Isaiah? What up? What's up? Does he look like whatever that is on your whatever that is on your chin, Isaiah? Take that off. I don't know what that growth is. There's a mess right here. He got some kind of infection on his on his chin. It's it's just like yours, guy. Except there's no white in his. That's exactly exactly exactly. (laughs) Wait, take that off, Isaiah. They got something for that. Anyway, does um, he listen to the podcast? (laughs) What's that? Does Isaiah listen to this podcast? Mm -hmm. Yeah, he does. Yeah. Okay. He's, right. he's got. He's always got feedback. All right. So shout uh, out to you, Isaiah. Thank you for listening. My biggest concern is just um, not sticking to the to the good habits. Not getting the ball in the paint. Mm. Not using Porzingis enough. Falling in love with the three, as I've always said. 
Um, <laughs> you know, just that, that would be it. And I don't think that I think that they have been very uh, good. And that's the word I'm looking for: measured and select their moments to shoot the threes. And they're a great uh, team when they move the ball around and they get them open threes. And you know, you and and I just and the concern is just health. You want everybody to be healthy, no injuries. The one thing this team has done, if you're a Celtic fan, you want to knock on wood, please do, is that they haven't had any prolonged injuries. They haven't had anybody out for any you know serious amount of time. Porzingis, you know, and they treat Porzingis like they should with kid gloves when he tweaks his ankle. Hey, get your ass out the game. Sit on the bench. You don't. We don't need you. Because uh, he obviously seven foot three guy, he's going to have a lot of lower extremity injuries and those type of things and land on people. Um, but he seems well. And that said, I just think if they like you, like you said, Shirai, boredom, but also losing the process, trying to skip some steps or getting away from their game plan, you know, because they do have some challenging games. So one good thing, they still got Oklahoma City. They still have uh, two games with Phoenix. They still have, you know, at Denver. So they've got some teams that are going to be looking at them as maybe NBA Finals preview, that type of thing. They still got two with Milwaukee. They still got two with the Knicks. So very challenging games. If they don't, if they get bored, Sharad, they gonna get wake. They gonna get woke up real quick, mm-hmm. right? Uh, they're gonna get. They're gonna get a wake up call if they start getting bored and feeling like they can just walk on the floor and beat teams. I don't think they'll have that mentality. Um, and I think the schedule, as much as people said, well, it's gonna get soft. You're right. Two against Washington, Atlanta, a couple against Charlotte, and they got six of their last seven at home. But that schedule still is very challenging. Two long, long road trips. Um, they still got to go out west uh, to go play Utah, go play Phoenix, uh, Portland. You know, not not the biggest challenge, but and they still got OKC, Sacramento's a tricky team. They still they still got them left. So some tricky, interesting games. A lot of West Coast teams still left. So if you're the Celtics, like Shirai said, don't lose uh, focus. Don't get bored. Trust the process and. Um, Stay with what you're doing and in and, and, and the game plan and the strategy, and they'll be fine. Moving on to Jason Tatum, who we talked about, now a five-time All-Star, but earlier this week he announced that he's partnering with SoFi on an initiative specifically for his home city of St. Louis. To They're committing a million dollars to helping him and help him help others buy homes, which is something that was very close to him because he mentioned growing up with his mother that, you know, home ownership wasn't something that was easily accessible. So this was, I think, a really big deal, one, because he has this big corporate uh, sponsorship, but even just seeing him on, was it CBS this morning? Should have been the Today Show, but it's okay. Um, That suit was tight. It clean, I mean, it was sharp. That was like... Very well spoken, yeah. but now at a point where, when you think about it, obviously the sports world, knows who Jason Tatum is, but when you're on a show like CBS This Morning or The Today Show, it is a different platform and a different audience that you're kind of opening yourself up to. A lot of the people that watch those shows may not watch the NBA, but now they're um, well-informed about this new initiative. But what did you two think about this partnership and 
And what does it mean for him being more than just an NBA player? I think for, for Jason, uh, it's important not only because of what it means to you, but it, 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 frankly, it, it opens the window a little bit for others to see that you were more than just a 25.67 rebound shot maker who's on a max contract making oodles and oodles of money. It shows that you actually have things that interest you beyond just dribbling a basketball and making shots. You know, we talk a lot about the things that that Jalen Brown does, and Jalen does quite a bit of things, and he deserves those things to be talked about, and and he deserves the praise that comes with that. But I I think Tatum is is, – Tatum does a lot of things that he doesn't really talk about. Uh, and doesn't really seek attention. And, and, and while there's benefits to that, in order to build your base, to get more people to support the, the initiatives that you are championing, they need to know they exist. They need to know that that's something that that's a space that you want people to know that you occupy and you want others to have a similar mindset and a similar approach and, and, and hopefully help expand and, and amplify those messages. So it was good to see Jason in a different kind of space than what people normally see him in. Uh, and talking about something that was obviously close and near and dear to his heart. Uh, and to me, it, it's part of when you become more towards that global icon status that the greats become. I mean, think about this. This dude is a five-time All-Star who's 25 years old. Um, most guys are looking to get that first, maybe second all-star nod by the time they get 25. And he's on number five already. Uh, clearly, he's on. And there are guys in the Hall of Fame who were maybe four-time all-stars. Uh, and so he's already, from a basketball standpoint, positioning himself to be one of the all-time greats. And with that status comes pressure and expectations to be more than just a basketball player. And I think this is part of Jason's, I think, ever expanding platform to show that he will, when all is said and done, be viewed as being more than just a really good basketball player. Yeah, I think it's great for Jason to invest in his own community where he's from in St. Louis, uh, helping single parents, um, you know, single mothers, you know, invest in property and home ownership. I think it's very important to Jason to delve into off-court endeavors. And I like he doesn't, uh, or this is his first time, I think he's done some things on a different level, but this is for him to to partner with a major, with the, you know, league's official bank and for him to kind of take part in this. And I'm sure he'll have people who monitor and make sure that it's going to the right people and to the right families and that this money goes for, for good. Um, you know, because obviously it's, it sounds good PR wise or whatever, but you want, but I think Jason will make sure that this happens and he'll continue his crusade to help mothers, single mothers, uh, raise their children right and in terms of uh, having the financial base to, to to make their kids successful, to make themselves successful. And I think that's very important. I think he lived and grew up and he remembers, you know, uh, growing up with a single mother and the struggles that they went through. And now that he's successful and his mom is a successful lawyer and, you know, he, he wants to give back. And I think that's important because a lot of, you know, you, you know, and I think a lot of the players do that don't talk a lot about it. And we rip a lot of these guys for performances and everybody can say something about Kyrie Irving, but Kyrie is a giver backer. That dude gives, gives the, a lot of things. He's paid for some funerals from some people who are killed by police. Like Kyrie does it on, on, on the down low. He does not 
you know, talk a lot about it, but he gives them back a lot. And so a lot of, I think a lot of these guys get a bad rap or you don't care none about money and, you know, Instagram followers or whatever. But these guys do care about their community. They grew up in the community. I think all of us do who came from a community where not everybody succeeded, not everybody had a even and fair opportunity. I think that's what we're all asking for. And I don't know if we'll ever get that, but to, to start to scale at zero, not negative three, uh, where we, you know, we, so I think we all come, the communities we all came from, you know, you, we see people that just didn't have a chance, you know, hey, real smart person, just didn't have a chance, made one bad decision or uh, didn't have the support or their parents weren't there, whatever situation. So I think this gives Jason an opportunity to really give back. And it, I was like, he's he's a St. Louis through and through. And I think for him to start, and hopefully it can spread to other cities. Hopefully he can start doing this in Boston down the road. I'm sure I'm sure he'll expand and everything. But I think it's great for him to be able to help out his community and help people out and show that, hey, I know I, I've been there and I want to help people make sure that they're not there. I want to help uplift people. And that's what the athletes, I think that's what we ask of athletes. And I think that's what a lot do that really don't get talked about. It's not just uh, giving away turkey on Thanksgiving and doing the PR stuff. It's putting your money where the mouth is. And as Jalen talked about, you know, black wealth or wealth of people of color in Boston to, to raise the wealth, uh, to decrease the wealth disparity of, of, of uh, Boston from uh, those from advantaged communities to disadvantaged communities, things like that. So I think it's awesome for both of those guys to give back and especially for Jason uh, to say, hey, you know, this is what I want to do. I'm starting with St. Louis and I'm going to help those, those people out. Um, moving on from Tatum, we talked about the MVP conversation just a little bit. Gary touched on it. Um, we can actually look, let's quickly talk about it a little more as we transition into our final topic, which is Coach Missoula. But you mentioned that the reason why you think he's not necessarily in the MVP conversation, but do you think the way, do you like the way he's been utilized by Coach Missoula over the last few months or so? One of you can answer. I thought you, I thought you took Go ahead, <laughs> Yeah, I, I'll go. I, I like what he's. I like what Joe's doing with him. I, I I think he's trying to unlock Jason to be a multifaceted, multidimensional talent. Uh, who teams can't lock in on his ability to score the ball. You have to worry about him as a passer. You have to worry about him as a ball mover now. Uh, and when shots go up, you got to worry about him being a rebounder. Uh, doesn't get a ton of offensive rebounds, but defensive rebounding is something that he's gotten much better at. And, and he just becomes a much more uh, diverse problem for teams. Uh, and I think Joe is doing a better job of tapping into that. And I think, you know, that's part of Joe's own personal growth, just how do you best utilize your best player? Uh, so, yeah, I, I definitely like what I'm seeing out of Tatum. He still takes a few too many threes um, that I don't particularly care for. Um, I'm pulling my Gary Washburn card, talking about threes. Um, but for the most part, I like what I see out of what you, out the way that Joe is utilizing him and his strengths. Yeah, I definitely think Jason's taking a step forward this year, become a better all-around player. And I think that's partially because of Missoula and it's because of his natural growth. And I think Missoula's done a good job developing those two guys, him and, and Jalen, you know, and we can, you know, you can nitpick their games and say, oh, they commit too many turnovers or whatever. The thing about it is in this league, when you see somebody every day, 
you tend to nitpick their games. When we look at Luca and he's dropping 58, we're like, oh my God, Luca's great. But then when Luca's doing some crazy stuff or got eight turnovers, we don't see those games, right? We we don't really look at those games closely. So we don't get a chance to nitpick Luca, nitpick Trey Young, or nitpick some of these guys who are, you know, even even Giannis, you know. Um, so I think what we do as reporters and, and and the Celtic faithful watch these guys every day and we're able to nitpick and really break down their games because we see them. Uh, we see all 82 games. And so we know uh, the turnovers. We see the, like Sherrod referred to, the rush threes or the pull-up threes and the early in the shot. And we're like, oh boy, that's not a good shot. Um, so we can nitpick their games. But I think overall, Jason and Jalen have both had nice quality good seasons is it mvp caliber no because the stats aren't there but you're talking about overall development of being more playmakers setting this franchise up to win not one title maybe multiple titles down the road because now you've got two playmakers you got two guys who can do many of the same things yes i think that they're in a good position for that and that's what you want when you have two cornerstones like this you cannot blow it you can you know because many teams have and trade away and all that, you know, just before a guy maybe developed or, you know, it didn't happen. You need to take advantage of this opportunity. I think the Celtics are really trying to now because they're, they're entering the midpoint of their career. This is not, they're, they're young. Jason's young in age, about to be 26, I think next month, but he, he eight years, seven, eight years in, right? 2017 was his rookie year. And we went to back to 2017 and saw how different things were, even though it doesn't seem like that long ago. That's a that's a minute ago. Like I was watching, I think one of the Super Bowl, old Super Bowls from 2017. I was like, wow, as much as that just seems like a minute ago, it might have been the Patriots Falcons one. It was just like, damn, that was a minute. Like, wow, the commercial, you look at the commercial, you look at the, the players on the field, like, damn, that dude's retired. That dude don't play no more. Like, that guy's like, whoa, that was as much as that doesn't seem like that long ago, that's seven, eight years ago, you know? And so time flies in this in this sporting game, as we as we know. So I think Jason and Jalen are trying to take advantage of the apex of their career because they're reaching that and they need to. And I think Joe has helped that process. All right. Well, perfect setup. Our final topic, Mr. Mazula on Wednesday, he won his 100th game. His overall regular season record right now is a 100 wins, 37 losses. It's early. I don't ever want to jinx anyone, but I know Boston takes very a lot of pride in the coaches that they've had in the past. So how would you stack Joe Mazula so far when it comes to his predecessors? Let's hear it, Gary. You got this one right off the bat. Well, that's a that's a that's a tall that's a tall. I know, I know. I just, tough comparison. You know, you're talking about Doc, Brad Stevens. I'm not even talking about. And then you know, we want to go history. The Casey Jones, our back, Tommy Huntington, <laughs> Bill, Bill Russell. So yeah, he ain't he ain't the top five. Clarified. But, <laughs> but let's let's not get that crazy. But I think he's developing into a quality NBA coach. He's so damn young, 36. He'll be fine. I don't know if he'll be coaching for another 20 years. I don't think he'll be Greg Popovich or whatever, because you know, this coaching game can burn a lot, you know, can burn you up and, and get you tired. But I do think that Missoula 
is turning into a quality coach. He's learning from his players. His players are learning from him. He's understanding uh, how to make the, you know, how to reach out to guys and how to not be so intense, maybe in, in situations. So I, I think with, I think with Missoula, he is turning into a quality coach and that's what you want. That's what the Celtics saw in him when they gave him the job. And obviously, you know, we can rip him from last year. And I know I did plenty of times, especially during the playoffs. No, you did also, too. <laughs> yeah. You know, that was, you know, we all took, we all, you know, rightfully so criticized him during that playoff run in that Miami series. But that's how you get better. You know what? The circumstances with which he got the job, coaching with a staff, all the dudes was had one foot out the door and I'm sure Eme told a lot of those guys, hey, my next coaching job, you're coming with me. So, you know, those guys are out there looking for houses and places to live and schools yeah. for their, you know, and they're coaching the Celtics at the same time because they know they're not coming back. And that's yeah. a situation obviously nobody wanted, but it happened. Now he's got a comfortable staff, Sam Cassell, Charles Lee, good guys. Um, you, you know, just, you know, our friend Tony Dobbins, a really quality coach. Uh, the other guys on that staff, Matt Reynolds, our friend who who, who tells uh, Joe to review it. So it sounds like a it's a good family there, good structure. You know, <laughs> do it. <laughs> Don't you see kids now, like in the streets? <laughs> no, yeah, they do. Oh, run it back, review yep. it. So I think that Joe is is taking that next step forward that that uh, we the Celtic fans all hope for. Now the next step is the playoffs. When he faces elite coaches, the Spolstras, now we'll see how Doc does in Milwaukee and Tibbs in New York. When he faces elite coaches who are going to be game planning for seven games, how does he respond? We'll see how that goes. Yeah, well, so far, so good. I mean, with Joe, when you look at just the success that he's had, the, the scenario slash situation that he walked into to be the head coach was not only, you know, unorthodox, but in, it, it increases the degree of difficulty to be a good head coach where you go from the second, I mean, you know, back row Joe to like the man calling shots. That's to, for him to make that type of leap is impressive. And when you look at what he's done from a, win, from a winning percentage standpoint, at this point for coaches who've won like a hundred or more games in Celtics history, the only guys who have a higher winning percentage are like Casey Jones and Bill Fitch. So that's the kind of company that he is in at this point, but obviously the longer he does this, the more credibility he'll have as an elite coach. But Gary and Nikon, you all know, it always comes back to winning chips. You are not going to be in that upper echelon of coaches in this franchise unless you win a chip. As great as Brad Stevens was from an X's and O's standpoint, he never won a chip. And that's why when you talk about the great coaches that have been here in Boston, Brad Stevens' name ain't going to be one of them. For one reason and one reason only, because he didn't get a chip. But now, now he has a chance to put someone in position to get a chip. And that person is Joe Mazzula. And Joe, up to this point, again, he's done a really good job of doing the most fundamental thing that you have to do as a coach. Win games and show growth in the process. And that, you know, when it comes from something as little as how you use your timeouts, uh, when to challenge, when not to challenge, uh, when to just decide that, you know what, we're not going to win this game. I'm taking all my guys off the court. We're just going to pack up and get ready for the next one versus maybe these, maybe my guys have one more run in them and maybe we can make this a game. Uh, Joe's done a better job of figuring out all those different uh, dynamics. He's not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but he's definitely better now 
than he was a year ago. And if he continues to keep growing and improving as a coach at the rate that he has from year one to year two, he's going to be a top five all-time coach for the Boston Celtics if he continues to on the trajectory that he's on now. Now, it's a little bit easier to make that happen when you got two guys like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown who were in their mid-20s. So he is in many, many ways set up to have the kind of, frankly, success that would allow him to be among the top-tier coaches to ever coach in this franchise's history. I think we're all on the same page. Missoula, the ball is in your court. Well, I guess the ball wouldn't be in his court. Gary Cringe. But- <laughs> I wanted to cringe at that one too. The ball's in your court. It's your birthday, Pointy. It's your birthday, though. It is. I could get away with a lot today. You can get away with that. Well, that's all we have for this week's episode. We appreciate you listening and enjoying this roller coaster of a journey as we talked about my birthday. And then we talked about the Celtics. And then we talked about my birthday some more. <laughs> did, did, did she mention that it's her birthday, y'all? It's her birthday. Yeah. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. If you made it to the end of this episode, you are a real one. I just need you to know that. But we appreciate you all. Shout out to our sponsors, Indeed.com, HelloFresh, and FanDuel. And until next week, enjoy the NBA All-Star Weekend, my friends. Carrie, are you there already? Yeah, I'm here. I'm in Indianapolis. All right. His eye, we have a man on the ground. Please report back every development that occurs. I will. No problem. We appreciate you so much. And we thank you guys again for listening. We'll be back next week.